know what? Out there is a lot of bad news. In here, we got some good news. Out there is a lot of problems. In here, we got some solutions. Out there is a lot of fear. Here, we got a lot of faith. Amen? You came to the right spot. And for those of you who are joining us online, we're really honored to have you joining us for the first week in Romans of Real Men. Many of you, both live here in the room and online, are brand new. So let me just catch you up to speed. Let me start by saying, I love you. I'm honored to have every single one of you. We've been praying for every single one of you, and it's really excited to get the men of God together. Amen? There's a lot of places a guy can go tonight to get in trouble. There's not a lot of places a guy can go tonight to get out of trouble, and that's why we're here. We're here to help. That's why we're here. Our language is that we build men up. We don't beat men up. We build men up. And I believe that right now, what we are seeking to do is to invest in you men so that you can lead. And I would submit to you that the need for leadership right now is perhaps at an all time crisis high. And what we want to do is to help you grow as leaders. So what we'll do, I'll do a talk that's a summary of this Sunday sermon. We're in the book of Romans. I preach a long sermon on Sunday. Uh, If you weren't there, you can find it online. And then what I do in this time together, I make a practical application just for men. And it's not all of the details of the sermon, it's some specific things just to help you grow as a leader. And so just by way of introduction, when we get into this uh, great book of Romans, uh, I believe it's primarily about two things. It's about four men, leadership and relationships. Okay, leadership is really what's crucial right now. You've gotta learn to lead yourself. If you're married, you gotta learn to lead your family. You got kids, you got more people to lead. If you're a grandpa, you've got generations to lead. Some of you are leaders in business. Some of you are leaders in ministry. You all have spheres of influence. And right now, let's just be honest, there is a crisis, a a lack of leadership. That, That nationally, wherever you're at on the political spectrum or the social issues, right now, more than ever, times are complicated and leadership is crucial. And that's the season that we find ourselves in. And so part of why we're together, we wanna have you grow as a leader and also build relationships. Uh, Chapters one through 11 in Romans is really about your relationship with God. 12 through 16 is really about your relationship with one another. In this room to help you grow as a leader and also to build those relationships are some good men. If you don't know this, part of the reason we're here is to resource you. Some of you guys need a job. There are guys in the room that own employment agencies. Some of you are overcoming addictions. There are guys that have been clean and sober and walked through a full restoration process to having victory over their addictions. Uh, Some of you, you're getting married. There's some really great godly guys in the room that know a thing about being a good husband. Some of you guys are new dads. There's some really seasoned dads in the room. Some of you are soon to be grandpas. There's some good grandpas in the room. Some of you need to buy a home and there are realtors in the room. There's also mortgage brokers in the room. Some of you are trying to remodel your home. There's contractors in the room. Here's what I'm telling you. We're here to help. And there's an amazing number of resources that are available to help you not only survive the kind of crazy season that we're in, but to thrive to make progress for yourself and your family through it. And so what I'm gonna do now, I'm gonna jump right in. And let me just say this as we get into Romans. Some of you are my, you're my nerd friend guys. Okay, some of you are here just because it's Romans and you're the nerds. And we can tell because your shirt's tucked in and your Prius is parked out front. We know exactly who you are. Okay, the guys who showed up on the Harleys, they're not big on book learning. Um, But if things go bad, find them. They're gonna be real helpful in Armageddon. So... (laughs) 
for those of you that are like me, I'm more of a nerd. I've got maybe, I've got 5,000 books on the shelf at my house. I've got more than that on my laptop. Some of us who are more theological or more nerdy, when it comes to the book of Romans, we can turn it into a book of ideas to argue over instead of a leadership manual to emulate. So let me just say this up front. The reason that Paul writes Romans is because he's a leader who has a plan. He's not been to Rome yet. He wants to get to Rome. He wants to get through Rome. He wants them to financially and practically support him so he can go to a place called Spain and do a lot of ministry, lead people to Jesus, preach the Bible, plant churches. He explains all that at the end of Romans chapter 15. So he tells them who he is. He tells them what he believes. And then he tells them what he's gonna do. And he wants them to to contribute to his work and to partner with him. That being said, You can't really appreciate the book of Romans unless you make a plan and you get to work. Because Romans is a leader laying out his plan by which he is going to get to work. So what we're not gonna do at Real Men this year is just sit around and argue predestination for nine months. The only guys that would be left would be guys we don't want. So we can't do that. Instead, we're gonna open God's word and we're gonna look at Paul as a leader And how did he have a relationship with God and relationship with others? That's what all the teaching is about. But the ultimate point is leadership, to have a plan for your life and your areas of responsibility, and then to march forward boldly in relationship with others. That's the entire intent, in my opinion, of the book of Romans. Now, that being said, I'm gonna pull out 10 things that God gives men and that you need to lead. And I'm just gonna pick these out of Romans chapter one, verses one through seven. Uh, for you to lead. And again, some of you men are natural leaders. You can help coach up the other guys. Some of you guys, you're not natural leaders, but there are people and things that need you to lead. And so what we wanna do, we wanna help you grow as a leader. And I I don't have this in my notes, I don't really have notes, but uh, in our world right now, there's a crisis. People are like, you know what, in the urban cities, we need more cops or less cops or, or in the nation, you know, we need more politicians, we need more elections, we need more of this, we need more of that. Let me just tell you that what we need are more men. That if you have better men, things are better for children. If you have better men, things are better for women. If you have better men, you have better families. If you have better men, you have better businesses. If you have better men, you have better churches. If you have better men, you have a better culture. If you have better men, you have a better society. And so I believe as we look at all the chaos and the craziness and the complexity in the world, I think it's really simple. The world needs men who come with Jesus. I believe that the world needs men who come with Jesus. That men who love Jesus, men who follow Jesus, men who look like Jesus, men who think like Jesus, men who serve like Jesus. And so I'm telling you, all the problems in the world are a tremendous, amazing opportunity for men. And the problem is there are so few men But we're here together to find those men and to be those men, amen? That's why we're here. So here's a few things that Paul gives us for leaders and you're gonna need these to lead. Number one, humility and authority. He says this in Romans 1.1. Paul, that's who we're talking about. A servant, that's the humility. Called to be an apostle, that's authority. That language of apostle is a senior leader. We would use words like CEO or president or senior pastor or some other title that designates leadership and authority. That's what apostle means. Servant, however, is not just his authority, it's his humility. You as men need to have both authority and humility. 
Some of you guys err on the side of authority. You're the boss, but you're not very humble. Some of you guys are very humble. You're willing to serve and forgive and to bless, but you don't step up to lead. Those who have authority without having humility, they're too tough. Those who have humility without authority, they're too tender. When you look at Jesus, which was he? Both, both. He has authority. He preaches, teaches, leads, and rebukes. And he's also humble. He washes feet, right? He's willing to do menial tasks. He's willing to care for those who really are in desperate times and need to be humbly served. How many of you guys honestly would lean more toward humility? How many of you guys would lean more toward humility? See, these guys won't even raise their hands. That's how humble they are. How many of you guys would lean more toward authority? See, this is where a lot of men lean. And the reason we're together is because just like you wanna be good with your right and your left hand, you wanna exercise your authority and you wanna do so with humility. Some of you are stronger with authority. You need to grow from those who are good with humility. Some of you are stronger in humility. You need to grow with authority. And here's the point for those of you that are only always exercising authority, but not humility, you're gonna be domineering and overbearing. Some of you grew up with those dads. Those of you guys that are only and always humble and you have humility, but you don't demonstrate your authority, your family is gonna lack leadership and your life is going to lack a plan. So you need both humility and authority. Number two, you're gonna need wisdom for your walk. And he talks in Romans 1-2 about the Holy Scriptures. So here's what you need to know about us. We are the Bible guys, amen? We're the Bible guys. We, if, if we disagree with the Bible, who's wrong? We are, that's just where we start, okay? And if you're new and you don't have a Bible, let us give you a Bible. And some of you are seasoned Bible guys, meaning you've studied the Bible for a long time. In this room, just looking around, there are multiple men with doctorate degrees in theology and Bible. Multiple professors of theology, okay? And if you're new and you're like, how do you spell Bible? Find that guy, because you need a mentor, okay? Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said that uh, some men have so much dust on the cover of their Bible, they can write damnation with their finger, right? Don't be that guy. The point is, we want you to begin wherever you are. If you've never picked up a Bible, great. Let us give you your first Bible and get you started. If you were someone who was studying the Bible, but it's kind of been a lackluster part of your life recently, let us encourage you to pick it up and start studying again. Uh, for those of you who are guys who are in the Bible a lot, you use the YouVersion Bible app or you've got Bible study methods or tools, help the guys around your table. Don't assume that everybody's a Christian. Don't assume that everybody's got a Bible. Don't assume that everybody even knows how to use the Bible. And so ultimately wisdom is found in the word of God. And what we value is not just intelligence or world values intelligence. What God's people should value is wisdom, right? Wisdom is not just knowing, but it's knowing what to do to be in accordance with God's will. And some of you are highly intelligent, but you don't have a lot of wisdom. The wisdom is in here. The wisdom in here comes from the Holy Spirit. God wants to speak to you through his word. And ultimately he talks about the wisdom that you need for your walk to know what God's will is and how to navigate a complex future as a leader is to spend time in God's word. And so one of the things I do with that, we preach through books of the Bible. We're in Romans for the better part of a year. I've got a full study guide. It's an introduction, it's an overview, explains the book of Romans, and it's a weekly study guide. You can just sit down and I will teach you how to do some basic Bible study for yourself. They're free in the back, they are free online. Our whole point is we just want you to learn God's word. 
Okay. And here's what they have found statistically. There was a survey that was done and the survey indicates that if a man is in the Bible one day a week, negligible effect. Two days a week, negligible effect. Three days a week, negligible effect. Four days a week, massive difference in his life. As soon as God's word goes from a minority to a majority of your days, your days change. Pornography use, plummets. Bitterness, plummets. Emotional unhealth, plummets. Here's what I'm telling you. Just like you put you know, clean water in your body and clean gas in your car, you need to put clean nutrition into your soul. And this is God's intended mechanism to make you a healthy man. But just like exercise, just like sleep, just like hydration, you're gonna need more than one day a week. It's gonna need to be a habit for you, okay? And we like to say the Bible is not something that we have to read, it's something that we get to read because it's how God teaches us and speaks to us. And so ultimately, if you're one of those guys who's here and you're like, I don't know how to do that, I'm brand new. You're in the right place. Because we're here to what? We're here to build men up, not beat men up. We're not here to beat you up for what you've not done. We're here to build you up so you can do it. That's why we're here. So there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no mockery. And if you're one of the guys at the table that really knows a lot more, help the other guys in a way that is humble, in a way that is humble. Number three, you're gonna need a power to plug into. As a leader right now, just to continue forward with your life, you're gonna need a life source that is greater than your own. Right now, what we are seeing is men self-destructing. The financial pressures, the political craziness, the uncertainty of the economy, uh, especially those that are in high risk groups. I mean, all these complex variables. And what we're seeing is men are self-medicating and they're self-destructing. What men are doing right now, they're drinking more than ever. You don't wanna be filled with spirits, you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? If you want to fill yourself up, don't get the spirits, get the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will help. How many of you have learned the hard way? The spirits don't help. I've never seen a man wiser with alcohol. <laughs> never seen that. I know they think they are. That's how drunk they are, right? So I'm not saying that alcohol consumption is a sin, but I'm saying that many men don't know how to endure the future that they are facing. And so rather than seeking a way to endure it, they're seeking a way to avoid it. They're self-medicating. Pornography use is exploded. Uh, drug and alcohol abuse and addiction has exploded. Alcohol abuse has exploded. Many men who were in recovery and then were isolated have relapsed and they need a fresh clean start and we're here to help. Uh, in addition, a lot of guys are just wasting a lot of time on diversions with entertainment and anger and all of that. And so what we're saying is if you're looking at your life and you're looking at your future and you're unsure how you're gonna proceed forward, what we are telling you is only by the power of God can you continue in the face of this adversity and have a good future for yourself and whomever you're leading. Now, again, I love how he says this, power according to the spirit of holiness. What he's saying is that God, the Holy Spirit is available to you. And Jesus Christ lived the perfect life as the perfect man. He is our ultimate example of what a real man is supposed to be. And ultimately he lived his life by the power and the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And so for you, I'm just asking you men, when you feel overwhelmed, you gotta stop and invite the Holy Spirit. When you're not sure what to do, you better stop, open the Bible, and also talk to God, the Holy Spirit, and ask him. When you're feeling really tempted, and you're going to, okay? Can we just be honest? We're men, 
men get tempted. When you're feeling that temptation, the only power stronger than the temptation that is coming upon you is the power of the spirit in you. And so the power of God is available because if all we have is the word of God, which tells us what to do, but we don't have the spirit of God to help us do it, then God is just giving us orders, but not any assistance. God not only tells us what to do, he gives us the power so that we can obey him and walk in holiness. And you will hear stories in our times together in the ensuing weeks where the power of God has showed up in men's lives in extraordinary ways. Uh, We saw it on Sunday. There was a couple that came in that filed for divorce, forgave each other, walked out and tore up the divorce proceedings. It took one hour for the Holy Spirit to save a marriage. We've seen guys come in who are addicts and walk out with their first Bible, never to have another drink. We believe in the power of God and we believe it's also available for you if you are open and receptive to the presence of God in your life. And this is really good news because right now, the people that don't have access to the power of God, they're coming to the end of their own power and they are getting very depressed and they're self-destructing. And it's horrible to see, but let's not be those men by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to talk about a Lord that ain't you. Um, Now, let me just say this, for every man, you do start with a Lord, you, right? Most men, we don't like to be under authority. And if you do, you're weird. Okay, that's just you're, just, you're the weird guy. You're like, no, I love being told what to do. Okay, there's a whole nother class for you. Um, down at the MMA center, you know, uh, with the guys whose dad didn't hug him. We gotta toughen you up. But if you're that guy, most of us start as the Lord of our life. I'm the boss, nobody can tell me what to do. This is why as men, the first thing we wanna do, as soon as we're able, leave our mom and dad's house, so that what? Nobody can tell us what to do. And then we have kids, why? Because we want somebody else that we can tell what to do. We need a Lord, somebody who's in authority over us and it can't be us. The most dangerous man is a man who only acknowledges his own authority over his life. The truth is God actually knows better what you need than you do. Let me field test this concept. The Bible says that God is a father. How many of you have kids? How many of your kids sometimes disagree with you? Okay, all right. So all the honest men raise their hand, okay? When those children disagree with you, are they usually wrong? All the honest dads, yep, they're wrong. And a bunch of guys, they're so confident, they didn't even say yes, they just nod their head. That's how confident they are. God is a father, you are a son. And if you disagree with the father, the truth is your dad knows better than you, okay? That he, he knows what you need better than what you need. How many of you guys are really glad that God hasn't given you everything you told him you needed? Okay, for you single guys, hear this, it's inappropriate, we'll probably edit it. But for you single guys, how many of you married guys, you met a girl, you wanted to marry her, it didn't work out, and now you're really glad, right? Because the first one's always crazy. I'm just telling you how it goes. Right? Just, if you're single, you forget everything, write that down. That's, that's, a, that's a game changer right there, okay? In Romans 1, 4, he talks about Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what that is, is he is in authority, but he serves us in humility. The reason it's easy to follow Jesus is not only does he have authority, he has humility. Not only does he lead us and command us, he also serves us and helps us, okay? So for every man, let me tell you this, the most dangerous place for women and children to be is under a man who's not under the authority of God. This is a terrifying place for women and children. How many of you have got a daughter? 
And the most terrifying thing would be to hand her in marriage to a guy who's not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Meaning the highest authority in his life is him. That's a terrifying place because we know the hearts of men and that God alone can change the hearts of men. So you need a Lord over your life that's not you. You need somebody in authority over you that's not you. You need somebody to architect the destiny of your life that is not you. His name is? It's Jesus, okay? So Jesus is our Lord. And some of you guys immediately, you're gonna bristle because you, you, you don't like authority. You don't like somebody being in charge. All we're saying is Jesus will take better care of you than you take care of you. And Jesus' plan for your life is actually better than your plan for your life. Any of you guys been a Christian long enough to see that as a reality in your life? That's the truth. That's the truth. Every dumb thing that's ever happened in my life, that was me. Every good thing that happened, that was him. Okay, and the longer I walk with Jesus and the more my wife reminds me, the more clear that becomes. Okay, I'm just telling you how this works. All right, no, she's great. Uh, number five, an end zone to drive towards. So uh, how many of you are football guys? How many of you hate watching football in an empty stadium when they didn't have any practice games and they don't know what they're doing? Okay, it's just weird right now. It's, they've found a way to ruin football. That's amazing, that's amazing. Um, the Cardinals do look good, and so that's good. Uh, because Jesus said the last shall be first, so it's gonna happen. Okay, that's, that's gonna work. Um, so in football, in football, I played a little football. I wasn't any good. That's why I'm free on Sundays to preach. But, uh, <laughs> but in football, the goal is always, okay, where's the end zone? And everything drives toward that goal. Okay, for the Christian, our end zone is actually beyond this life. We're not just driving for our retirement. We're not just, some of you men, you're driving toward graduation. You're driving toward career. You're driving toward marriage. You're driving toward parenting. You're driving toward grandparenting. You're driving toward um, retirement. None of those things are bad. But for the Christian, what's the end zone on our horizon that we're always driving for? It's the kingdom of God. You know what? This, this world is not my home. And that ultimately, I'm gonna be with Jesus and his people together forever in the Father's house. And it's always driving toward that end zone, okay? So for us as men, we can get very short-sighted. We need to really extend the horizon of our, of our view. Where are we going? What are we doing? What is the plan? Because it's not until we stand before the Lord Jesus that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And let me say this, if you will extend that ultimately our end zone is forever with God, it really does put this life in perspective. You may not get everything you want in this life, but all your dreams will be fulfilled in that life. You may not get all of the appreciation that you probably should get in this life, but you will when you stand before the Lord Jesus. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And also what this means is our relationships will be perfect and reconciled in the presence of God together forever. Our families that know Jesus will have a great reunion. Everything will be healed and restored. And so for the Christian, it really gives us perspective for our life. And also gentlemen, it does something extraordinary as you get older, it just removes the fear of death. We have a world right now that everyone is scared to die. And I'm telling you, I wanna live a long time. I wanna meet my great grandkids. I don't have any grandkids yet, but I'm prophesying great grandkids. You know, I, I wanna be there, but ultimately the worst thing is not to die. The worst thing is to die without knowing Jesus. To live as Christ, to die is great gain. To depart and to be with the Lord is far better. 
So even for you older saints, and there are a few men who are not with us here tonight, they're probably watching on home, at home rather. Um, these are men that literally are, they're down to the one yard line. Uh, there's one dear saint who's not with us tonight and his life is very, very short. His days are very numbered. He's at the end and I know him and he's smiling and he's filled with joy because he's not dying. He's gonna jump into the end zone, right? He's gonna be with Jesus. Okay, so for us, this changes perspective. And what happens for men, especially as you get older, if you don't have that long horizon for your end zone, you get very bitter, jaded, and disappointment when your life doesn't live up to your expectations. We call it a midlife crisis. And that's a guy who thought that heaven was gonna happen before the end. And he's disappointed when it doesn't. Number six, I love to share. Romans 1.7, you are loved by God. Okay. Some of you guys, your dad never told you he loved you. The father in heaven says he loves you. I tell my boys I love them all the time. Uh, they're now six foot something. So I have to, hey, I love you up there, you know. Um, but the key is this. The reason that some men really struggle with love is because they don't know where to go to get it. Where does love come from? It comes from God. The Bible says that God is love. So God is the source of love. And here's the good news. God loves you. Now, be honest, okay, I'm gonna, let's just be totally honest. Can we be honest? We got nothing else to do, okay? How many of you, when you hear that God loves you, that truly sounds a little bit weird? Does it, be honest, my dad hung drywall, okay? So when the man's like, I love you, I was like, I mean, I lived in Seattle, so you gotta be careful with this stuff, right? Like, I don't know, you know what are we talking about here? I'm taken by a girl, I'm good, you know? So when men tend not to tell men that they love each other, right? How many of you, your dad never told you he loved you? Or if he did, you know, it was maybe once or it's twice. Yeah, you got married and you graduated. God's a father. And part of the reason that men have a hard time understanding the love of God is because when we think of the love of God, especially in the context of the church, a lot of times you're told that God, here's the metaphor, the image that's used. God is a groom, the church's is what? Bride. And he loves you. How many of you guys are like, that's a weird, I got no bride ambitions. I got zero bride ambitions. I don't, cause see when my sons and daughters were little, my daughters would dress up like princesses for their wedding. My boys didn't do that. Happy to report. <laughs> I mean, and we, had, we had a lot of mechanisms in place to prevent that. And so, and I know somebody like, that's offensive, you're binary. Thank you for joining us and thanks for paying attention because that's exactly what I'm saying. We are binary and offensive. And so for a man, that concept of being a bride is a little... So let me ask you this. If a woman identifies with the love of God like a bride with a groom, how much easier is it for a man to identify with the love of God between a father and a son? Does that make sense? So he says, you're loved by God. What he's saying is the father loves you like a father loves a son. To me, that makes a lot more sense, okay? How many of you are dads? Some of you are dads. How many of you being a dad has really opened your understanding of God loving you as a father, right? I mean, you hold your kid and you're like, oh, now I know what that means. How many of you grandparents? How many of you granddads? You hold your grandkid, what do you feel? Feel love but it's a father's love, it's a grandfather's love. 
Part of what heals a man is getting to know God the Father and the Father's love for them as a son. It's where Jesus says, John 14, six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the Spirit saves you. Jesus connects you to the Father, but you're not fully, you're not fully understanding of God's love for you until you make it to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. God's ultimate goal is to make you a son and your big brother, Jesus, to introduce you to your father so that you can live in that loving, healing relationship with God the Father. The reason that some of you guys are broken, the reason that some of you guys are bitter, the reason that some of you guys are angry, the reason that some of you guys are insecure, the reason that some of you guys are thuggish, or the reason that some of you guys are passive is you don't fully understand that loving relationship with the Father. And that relationship with God as Father is something that we're gonna talk a lot about in our time together in the coming weeks and months. But what that'll do, that'll allow you to receive the love of God in a way that doesn't make you feel feminine, but is altogether masculine, okay? So think about this. How many of you guys have a son? The father feels about you the way you feel about your son. And I realized this when my first son was born. Uh, he's in the back, he's, I was holding him, he's just born. And I, I remember it was, this, it was summertime, I was wearing, uh, Sandals, I was holding him and I literally felt this new love. I, I loved his mom and I love my daughter. And now there was a new love for my son, not a better or worse love, just a different love for my son. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, he's a father, I'm a son. I wonder if he feels about me the way I feel about my son. And I remember holding my son and dedicating him to the Lord. You are a father, now I'm a father. This is my son, I'm your son. Father, please use this son to teach me what it's like to be your son. And then my son crapped on my foot. <laughs> I kid you not, he crapped on my foot. And God answered my prayer, okay? And God was like, that's what it's like to be your dad. So, and it was that first round of sludge that doesn't even show up on the periodic chart. It was that, and I was wearing the sandals. I'm still picking it out of my toenails, but. But in that moment, God really did answer my prayer. And it was, you know what? In that moment, my son crapped on my foot and I laughed and loved him. No other man can do that. <laughs> if any of you do that, you're like, Mark says he feels loved by that. No, I don't, just once with my son. And the point is your son can do things that other people can't do and you still love them and you're still committed to them and you still enjoy them. You are the father's sons, and some of you have crapped on his foot. But your dad still loves you, amen? I didn't mean to share that story, it's inappropriate, and I'll do it again. So uh, number seven, you need a church family. Uh, Romans 1, 7, to all those in Rome. So he's writing this letter to a church in Rome. We're a church in Scottsdale, a church family. Some of you said, I, I didn't have a dad. Well, find some older men to be spiritual fathers. I didn't have a good mom. We'll find some older gals to be spiritual moms. Some of you are like, I never really had a brother. Well, look around, there's a lot to pick from. You got brothers now. Some of you would say, you know, I never got to be the big brother. Well, find some young guys, pull them up, be the big brother. This is an opportunity for us to do something that is totally broken in the culture and that's to act like a family, okay? And here's what I wanna tell you, first of all, when we first started this men's ministry, it was largely older men. And now looking around, it's, most, it's a combination, but it's majority younger men, okay? I will tell you, uh, now that I'm, I'm gonna be 50 soon, 
So I guess I'm older now, because I can't read my phone. So officially that makes me older. Um, the heart of the older men, you younger men need to know this. The heart of the, the older men is, they wanna help you and they wanna pull you up. The older men in this room, they have a father's heart. You wanna get married? Let me help you get ready. You wanna buy a house? Let me tell you how to do that. You and your wife are fighting? Oh, been there. Um, you got kids? Let me talk to you about that. You don't understand investments? Let me explain that to you. This room is filled with older men who wanna help younger men. Let me ask the older men, is what I am saying true? That's why they're here. That's why we didn't start a group for older men and to start a group for younger men. We started a group for men because we want the older and younger men to work together. So you younger guys, you're like a sail. You older guys, you're like a rudder. Okay, what happens to a boat with a sail and no rudder? Old town, just drive by on your way home. <laughs> Lots of passion, no direction. Eventually it all crashes. What happens to a, a, a rudder with no sail? Not going anywhere, not a lot of life and energy. We're better together. The older guys are like rudders, the younger guys are like sails. The older guys will help direct the younger guys and the younger guys will breathe life and energy into the younger men. True or false? True, because that's how family works. So that's how we wanna be. Fathers, grandfathers, big brothers, little brothers. We wanna be like a family. That's why we're here. Uh, number eight, a destiny to chase. He says, you're called to be saints. Chapter one, verse seven. Saint is this language that Jesus takes away your sin and he gives you his righteousness. That Jesus died so you can live, that he was punished so you can be blessed, that he, he died so you could live. So let me just say this, you need Jesus, okay? You don't need just principles to live by, you need a person to live with and his name is Jesus. And ultimately what Jesus has done for all of us, he's taken our sin, he's given us the Holy Spirit in a new nature, and then he's called an identity, a destiny over us of saint. And this is God when he's done with you. You guys don't know how awesome it is for me to see the progress in your life. There's some miracle stories in this room. And you guys are on that journey toward your eternity. And it's not that you're perfect, but you are new. And the process that God has started in your life, it ends with you being perfect. Okay? And so there is hope to continue in the direction that ultimately is the destination that God has for you. And so what God speaks over you is saint and son. He speaks these terms over you to pull you up, really to build you up instead of to beat you down. And I know sometimes people will just bring up the worst parts of your life. And let me say that sometimes as men, we do this. How many times you get together with your buddies and it just turns into a roast? Tom, tell them about the time you wet yourself. Tell them, Tom. Like I did last time, I know, but it was awesome. Tell them again. You know, we roast each other, okay? What, what we wanna do here, we wanna call out the best in men, not the worst in men. We wanna call out the future for men, not the past for men. We wanna call out the things that they are in Christ, not the things that they did in spite of Christ. Okay, so we're not roasting each other, okay? What we are is we're encouraging one another. When God is done with you, you're gonna be here. So how can we help you head in that direction? And the point is, it really doesn't matter where you start as long as you make progress because we're not demanding perfection, we're just hoping for progress, okay? Last few, grace for your failures, Romans 1, 7, grace to you, okay? 
Uh, let's have this short conversation. For those of you guys that are more my theological nerd buddies, what's grace mean? Unmerited favor, undeserved help, gifts you didn't pay for. What's grace mean? It's like a business transactional kind of concept. How many of you, you pull up to the gas station and then on the screen it says, we love you, no need to pay. Oh, awesome, coming back. In our world, you only get what you pay for. In the kingdom of God, you get what Jesus paid for, okay? It's grace. So let me ask you this, how good are men at giving each other grace? We're very good at giving each other law. Here's the rules. If you disobey or disagree um, or misperform, there's just punishment and wrath for you. Here's the key about God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. They have grace to you, okay? As men, it's hard to receive grace. You know why? We like to earn things, right? How many of you, when you go out to dinner with your, your buddies, I got the ticket, no, I got the ticket, no, I got the ticket, I got the ticket, I'm buying the chicken wings, no, I'm buying the chicken wings. Next thing you know, you're beating each other up over chicken wings because one man is not humble enough to receive the gift of the other guy picking up the tap. With God, you need to understand, he's the one who pays. He's the giver, you're the receiver, okay? When we come to God, we come like a kid before a parent, hands empty, he fills them. Jesus is a gift, the Holy Spirit is a gift, the word of God is a gift, new life is a gift. Um, Forgiveness is a gift. Everything that God gives is a gift. It's just, God's a gift giver and God's really generous, okay? And we already looked at part of what he gives you is his love. And if he gives you his love, that means he gives you his love to share. So the key to being a man is this, not just to receive God's grace, but what? Gotta share it. So let me just ask you guys, be real practical. As men, what are ways that we can improve in not only receiving grace, but sharing God's grace? How do we do that practically? Serve. Find somebody to serve. How can I help? I had this, my wife's name is Grace. So I'm reminded of this all the time. We were in Montana last week making plans. And I asked her, I said, honey, is there anything I could do to love you better? She said, yes, dishes. I said, well, I'll pray about it. You know, I, I don't know. She hears the word love, she sees me doing dishes. I did not know that was romantic. I did not know that that was a mood contributor. I did not know. So here's what I've been doing all week, um, which for me is a long time. After dinner, I am cleaning dishes. One of, the, one of my sons came up. They asked, dad, what are you doing? Because <laughs> this is new, right? <laughs> this is new. And I said, uh, your mom feels loved when I do the dishes. What I didn't say was, I love doing the dishes. What I said was, I love your mom, okay? What, what giving grace is, it's saying, I love you, so I wanna do for you what is loving and helpful, okay? So how many of, how many of us as men, when it just comes to humbly serving, let's say even at home, we don't. True? Is it just me? Any of you guys come home and say, I worked all day, the king is home. I, you know, I now need the peasants to rally. <laughs> I'll be over here in my throne with a lever. Please bring me a frosty beverage in the head of a pig and turn the game on. Uh, you know, that's not love. 
Sometimes love is serving. How else do we demonstrate love or can we do a better job demonstrating love as men? Patience. Patience. See, nobody wanted you to say that. (laughs) How many of you, God's been in his love, he's been patient with you? Okay, if he loves you, love them. If he's patient with you, be patient with them. Other ways as men that we can tangibly, even when we head home, if we're married or have kids tonight, say, okay, I'm gonna do this out of love. This is gonna be my way to love. Forgive, that's, that's grace for your failures. As men, we can keep a record. The Bible says that love does not keep a record of wrongs. Sometimes as men, let's say it's even with our wives or our kids, we, we have one issue that we'll put on the table that always stops the conversation. Oh, well, remember that time you did this? It's back to shame and condemnation, okay? The key is to put grace on it. And that sometimes as men, we like to put law and punishment on things thinking that it will increase performance. I'm telling you that grace outperforms law that grace outperforms punishment because people will do more for love than they will for fear. True? Find me a sports team where they fear their coach and they're up against a team that loves their coach. The team that loves their coach is actually probably gonna outperform the team that fears their coach. Because you will do more for love than you will for fear and punishment. And that's what he's talking about when he's talking about grace. So I want you guys to put on this mindset of, Who do I need to give grace to? How do I need to give grace to them? Do I just go bless my kids? Do I pay the debt that they got into and say, you know what, you you should pay this debt off. You messed up, you put a dent in the car, you made a mistake, you screwed up, you did something wrong. And you know what, somebody's gotta pay for that. And that's gonna be your dad, because I love you. And this is called grace. This is called grace. And God gives me grace, so I give you grace. And out of that demonstration of grace, the goal would be to capture the heart of the spouse or capture the heart of the child or capture the heart of the employee so that the grace of God would flow through them to change their behavior. So grace is not just to permit or tolerate behavior. It is is to ultimately change behavior because grace changes the heart, okay? And let me just say this. How many of you growing up the least gracious person in your life was a man in authority. How many of you, you would say the least gracious person in your life growing up was a man in authority? A coach, a teacher, a father, a stepfather, okay? Don't be those guys. Don't be the guy who didn't get grace and doesn't give grace. Be the guy who gives grace. Be the guy who gives grace. Last one. You need a father and a brother who are for you. Romans 1, 7, peace. And this is this concept of a whole life that is blessed by God from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What you get in Christianity is you get a big brother whose name is, it's Jesus. He's your big brother, okay? And you get a new father who adopts you into his family. That's God, the father. And what this allows us is men, I've got a brother who's with me and a father who's over me. And this pattern is what changes a man's life. You need Jesus and you need the father. And then you need to find men who are like a brother and like a father. Those brothers who can walk with you and those fathers that you can go to for wisdom and counsel, oversight, correction, instruction, and direction. But ultimately the good news is this, and I love this language of the Bible, it's adoption. 
So many of you, I, 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 just, I just feel inclined to say this. How many of you growing up, the most peaceful place was not in the presence of your father? Right? Okay, here's how this works. I have no notes, I'm just thinking out loud. Some of it'll be good, that was the Lord. The rest, that was me. I think this one's the Lord. Peace from God our Father. Part of the reason that men struggle with a relationship with God as Father is the Father that they had was not the place of peace. If I go around dad, he's gonna what? He's gonna yell, what else is he gonna do? He's gonna hit me, he's gonna assault me, he's gonna insult me. He's gonna shame me. He's gonna mock me. He's gonna intimidate me. He's gonna curse me. He's going to ignore me. God the Father, what's in his presence? What's the environment around God the Father? It's an environment of grace and peace. It's an environment of grace and peace. As you get to know God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and you receive God's grace, you will start to enjoy an environment of peace, okay? Some of you, you're not just alphas, you're broken. That's why you keep working. Some of you, some of you guys, you're not just angry, you're hurt, right? Some of you, you self-medicate with drugs or alcohol or porn because you're so wound up, you're just trying to find a way to calm down. What you need is peace, okay? And there's a peace from God and there's a peace with God that's only possible in the presence of God, okay? When you are in the Father's presence, it is an environment of grace. <sighs> Don't have to be perfect to perform. There's acceptance and love and peace. This is a good place to be. Right now, what's happening in our world, and I'll close with this. Some men are bringing the peace of the Father into their environments and others are not. What happens if in your work environment, you bring that fatherly presence of peace? It's a better place to be. What happens when you go home with your wife or your kids, you bring that fatherly presence of peace. You're actually, your wife's gonna wanna be around you and your kids are gonna bring their friends to your house because it's the peaceful place to be. If you bring an environment of chaos or fear or brokenness, what'll happen is because of the lack of peace that you bring into the environment, other people will love you, but they will flee you and you will feel very, very what? Lonely, lonely. And so the key is to get in the Father's presence, receive his grace, experience his peace, and then seek as a man to bring that environment with you wherever you go. Home with your wife, I want this to be an environment of grace and peace. With my kids, environment of grace and peace. Brothers in Christ, work ministry, environment of grace and peace. And let me tell you this, um, this is why the Trinity Church is exploding. It's a place you can come and guess what the environment is? 
It's peace. We're not fighting. It's a peaceful environment. And what people are looking for is a peaceful environment because the world right now has no peace anywhere. Turn on the news, no peace. Go to work, no peace. Talk to your friends, no peace. Come home, no peace. And everybody's exhausted. And they're frustrated and they're self-medicating and they're self-destructing. This provides us as the men of God, this extraordinary opportunity to bring that fatherly presence of peace. And then it heals people because they finally get a break and they get some encouragement and they get some love and they get some healing. And I want that for you. I want that if you're married for your wife. I want that for your kids and your grandkids. I want when chaos happens, them to think we need that man to be here because he brings peace. Okay, not if that man comes, the peace departs. But when that man comes, the peace comes with him, the peace of God. Make sense? Okay, I'll give you a couple things I'm gonna have you talk about around tables and then I'll pray for you. Paul starts by telling us a bit of his testimony. We'll leave these up, kind of his story how he became a Christian. Just take a few minutes, share where you're at on your faith journey. You may say, I'm not a Christian. Great, we love you. I'm not sure. Okay, great. I'm brand new or I've been doing this a while, wherever you're at, briefly. He says, he's a servant. Where are some ways that God is calling you to serve? Do you have a job? That's where you go to serve. Are you in ministry? That's where you go to serve. Are you married? You got a spouse? You got kids? What are the different environments that God has you in to serve? He focuses our attention on God's love, grace, and peace. How have you seen these things in your life? Just looking at your life, especially God's grace. If you have time to ask this question. So, hey guys, where's God's grace showing up in your life? You know? And then lastly, peace, uh, his word corresponds with the Old Testament word shalom. That's perfect. It's, it's a healthy environment. It's a place that you wanna be. It's architected well. Are there any areas that are the opposite and you need help with? My finances? It's not peace. My marriage, not peace. My health, not peace. My job, not peace. Can you guys pray for me? And, and you may be new, but you guys need to know we huddle up like a football team and we pray for each other. You're gonna see hundreds of men praying tonight. It'll be the only place you probably see it for weeks or months or years. That a whole room of men comes together, not just to drink beer or to criticize athletes, but to pray, okay? And so let me pray. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to teach the men and Lord Jesus, we wanna look at Paul as a leader, a man who has a plan uh, to expand the good news of the person and work of Jesus, but also uh, to bring uh, grace and an environment of peace. And Lord, I didn't think that the sermon uh, or the talk would end in this place, but Holy Spirit, I'm just saying that I believe the word for us tonight is peace. That there needs to be peace in us as men because we're in the presence of a father who loves us and has grace for us. And because we have Jesus who walks with us, there can be a peace in us, a peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives you. Lord, we just look at this world and we say right now, there's no peace. But father, there's peace in your presence. And so God, I pray that in the remainder of our time together, the the grace and the peace of the Father's presence would be very strong and heavy in these conversations in relationships. And God, I pray that as men leave, they would sense your peace. They would feel their burdens lift and their hope rise. And that God